This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. I'm carrying on from where we were left off last week. And Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring back to my remembrance everything that I need and help me through this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I'm going to cover a few points in my conversation today um, that we may have touched on yesterday because I need to give context, and so I think that that's quite important. In the beginning was the word in the beginning was the living word. The living word is important because what it's saying us that the word was with God and the word was God. What it's saying is the living word was eternally a part of who the Almighty was. It is the very substance of God. The living word is the very substance, it's the very nature of God. So every time you're talking about the living word, understand you're talking about something that is made up of the very nature of who God is. It's made up of his very substance. And it goes on, and when we have a look at that, when we understand that it it speaks about his substance, it's not only talking about the, the nature of who it is, it also talks about the potency of who it is. It's speaking about the reality that the word of God, the living word, carries within it the divine energies of God. It carries within it the fullness of the creative power of God. When we talk the living word, you're talking about something that's substantial. You're talking about something that's consequential. Things happen when the living word appears. Things happen when the living word is injected into situations. And things are going to happen in your life when the living word arrives. John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things were created by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. All things were created by him. It's sitting saying the very substance of God, the thing that is of his nature, took his divine energy and created everything that existed. From nothing, things appeared. What it tells us and what it's speaking to us is about the potency of God and his word. It's speaking to us about the fact that God is the God of the impossible. Things that are impossible to man are not impossible to God. There are possibilities that are opened up when we start to connect with the living word of God. God talks about himself as the Alpha and Omega. God is the beginning and God is the end. The author and the finisher. It becomes really important because it introduces us to a concept that is fundamental when we're dealing with the things of God. And it's something that, there are a few things I'm going to give you as we go through here that I want you to grab a hold of and hold on to. Because they're consequential in his relationship with us. This is one of them. God is the author and the finisher. What it means is it belongs to him. What he's saying is the things that I'm going to be doing are things that are going to be initiated from me. I will be responsible for activating them and I will be responsible for completing them. What he's saying is I'm not prepared to leave it to anything or anybody else. It belongs to me. 
That's why when you have a look at the, the, the beginning and you have a look at creation, the Father God was the one who conceived creation. And what happened was the living word spoke and activated and the Holy Spirit was the one that fulfilled. What, what it's telling us is this. The word inherently is responsible for the conception, for the implementation and for the, the completion of everything. It belongs to God in its entirety. So when God belongs to, be, begins to do something in our lives, it's important for us to come to the place where we recognize that it is something of him. Take your hands off. It introduces us to the way that God is looking to work with us. He's not looking for us to look like him. You often hear preachers sit and say, we need to look like Jesus. That's not scriptural. It never said you should look like Jesus. It is we are to live from Christ in us. There's a big difference. The one is trying to artificially look like something that I'm not. The other is living from the authentic one who's in on the inside of me. I'm not trying to be him. I have to recognize that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There is a big difference in it. What God is saying is, recognize this. I'm not even prepared to entrust what I'm doing on the inside of you to you. I don't need your help doing it. What I need is your availability. What I need is your availability. It's so key because the thing is, we always think we want to help God out. We're always having a look at what I think and how I act and how I behave. And we always sit and think, well, that's not very Christian. I need to change my behavior. It's not that we need to change our behavior. What we need to do is die to some stuff and we need to get connected to the Christ on the inside of me. I'm just living from the wrong thing. God is wanting to do some stuff on the inside of us. It is a picture to us in many ways that is so representative of his nature. It's all about love and it's all about grace. What he's saying is, the whole picture of grace is, you don't need to do anything, I will do it for you. That's what grace is all about. What God is saying in essence is, the way that I work is like that. Why? Because when things begin to happen as a result of what I've done in you, nobody can turn around and say, look what a great job I did. Everybody turns around and says, have a look at the glory as a result of what he's done in me. It becomes so important to us because we're beginning to recognize the significance and the potency of the word. When the word arrives, things happen. When we get back to the very very beginning of creation and what began to take place in creation, if you have a look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, I want to read it out of the Passion. I think Don has it. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. Because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. You know what God is saying? God is saying that because of the potency and because of the power of the word, what ended up happening is creation. So when you go outside and you're sitting outside, not today, but on other days and you're sitting in the sunshine and you're enjoying the light and you're catching a tan, you do realize that what you're enjoying is the work of the word. What you're enjoying is the fruit of the word that said, light be. 
And as a result of light B, light travels at 186,000 miles a second, and it's still carrying on to this very day. So when you're enjoying the heat of summer, you can sit and say, I want to thank the word for that, because the, thir- the word started it and put it into, into, into motion. When you're walking out in your garden in springtime and you're planting those flowers and you're putting those things in and you're enjoying the bees and you're listening to the birds, I want you to realize that you, you are in a place where you're recognizing and you're living in the fruit of the word that created 7.7 million species of animals, 298, over 298,000 species of plants. And do you know what? We still haven't discovered everything that the word created. Last year alone, they discovered 71 new species that they'd never discovered before. Why? Because the word said life be and life was and life continues to this day. When you sit in that nighttime and you're enjoying your candlelit dinner and you have a look up and you see the sky full of stars and you see the moon and you see the planets, I want you to understand what you're having a look at is you're having a look at the fruit of the word that created the universe and the heavens. Do you know that it's still continuing to this day? And they estimate that if you're sitting on planet Earth today, that the universe is expanding at 72, uh, 72 kilometers per second. It means basically from here to Washington, D.C. is how the universe is expanding every second. God said, be, and it was. When the word does something, there is some kind of an effect that takes place. The word is powerful and the word is able to bring about change and introduce creation in ways that other things are never able to do. It's not just about creation. It's not just about a God who's up in heaven, who's far away. It's about a God who wants to be close to us. And as a result of that, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, what ended up happening was that the fullness of the living word was poured out into Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 5 and verse 19, he says, I only do the things I see the Father do. I only do the things I see the Father do. What was he saying? He was sitting saying, I understand the power of the word. I understand the power of the almighty God. And as a result of that, the Father himself is establishing something on the inside of me that's called hypostasis. It is a foundation that informs something else. What Jesus was saying was, I'm connecting to the foundation on the inside of me that's been established by the Father. And as a result of that, I'm going to become a living representation of what's on the inside of me. So when people see me, they've seen the Father. When people see me, it becomes an expression of what the word the Father is on the inside of who I am. Acts chapter, uh, Acts 10, what is it? Acts 10, 38? It speaks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
What was he saying? God sitting saying, I know what the formula is. And the formula has nothing to do with the fact that Jesus is a natural man. It still has everything to do with me because I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the one who's the author and the finisher. I'm the one who does everything. So when Jesus was baptized, all of a sudden he said, I can connect to the reality that's been established on the inside of me because it's been put on the inside of me by my father. It gives me guidance. It introduces me to his reality and the way that things should be. And I'm busy speaking those things into an existence. Not only that, but I have the Holy Spirit is here to fulfill everything that the living word speaks. And he's sitting saying, this is what the father's doing. That's why when Jesus walked about on the earth, things happened. Things happened. He laid hands on the sick and they recovered. He raised the dead. He fed 5,000. He turned water into wine. Why? Because of the power of the word. Because of the power of the word. It becomes important for us because Jesus wasn't only here to sit and say, you know what, let me show, how you, let me show you how great God is. What he was really doing was he was sitting saying, I'm wanting to model for you a new reality. Because I need for you to understand that your natural paradigm in the way that you've lived is going to change. Because the living word is going to go and the living word is going to pay the sacrifice so that the living word can be introduced to you. And when the living word is introduced to you, what ends up happening is the very thing that happened to Jesus. Suddenly I have the opportunity to be introduced to a new way of living that's on the inside of me. And when I'm able to connect with a new reality that's inside of that and live from a new place. Because when the word, the living word comes and resides on the inside of me, he's living in the expectation that things happen. Why? Because it has nothing to do with you. I'm only one that a greater one fills. When we get to that place and we recognize it's all about him, it's not about me, things suddenly begin to change. You see, what Jesus is is wanting to do in our lives and what the the living word is wanting to do on, on the inside of us is very much what Jesus did when he walked on the earth. What he's wanting to do is he's wanting to take the Father and reveal the Father to us. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What he's saying is, when you come to the place where you accept me, and I come in and I become your life, all of a sudden, the very foundation of who you are becomes defined by the living word. It starts to redefine a reality on the inside of me. And when I live from that reality, and I begin to speak from that reality, and I have the Holy Spirit with me, what ends up happening is, he does stuff on the inside of me to establish stuff, so that when I live from it, and I speak from it, he takes those things and begins to activate them in my life. And things happen. Things begin to happen. There are three important Greek terms that we need to be aware of, and they are probably the most important Greek terms that affect us as born-again believers because they influence who we are and how we live. The first of these is a Greek term called patho. P-E-I-T-H-O. Patho what it speaks about is being persuaded by the word. Being persuaded by the word. Patho is a verb. What it's saying is this. 
the living word is going to use the divine energy on the inside of it that the Holy Spirit is going to take and he's going to use that and he's going to begin to form something new on the inside of you. He's going to persuade you of the truth of who Christ is. And as he begins to inform us of who that is, he's going to persuade us of that. That's patho. It's a verb. It speaks about the work of the Holy Spirit and how he's wanting to take the word and create on the inside of us a, 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 a disposition or an attitude where I'm convinced of something. I am persuaded. It results in something called pistis. Pistis is a substance. We refer to pistis as faith. What it's saying is God is going to take the substance of the living word and what he's going to do is use that to create a new reality on the inside of us out of a substance from the word and that new reality is going to be called pistis or faith. When we live from that reality, there is a third Greek word which comes into to play and which is pisteo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O. And what that means is faith in action. It actually means to believe in or to trust. All three of those things relate to one another. I want to get into them a little bit deeper because I think that if we begin to explore them, it'll begin to show us God's way of working with us. I know we talk a lot about the fact that God calls us not to rely on our understanding, but to rely on revelation. But he uses us, he calls us to use both of those elements because both of them are important. When God uses our understanding, what he's going to do is he's going to introduce us to the framework of how he's wanting us to live. He's giving us guidance and he's giving us direction. But what he's saying is, don't live in that space. What I'm doing is I'm giving you some direction so that you can take it and you actually implement it and do it. When you take it and you do it, what ends up happening is the written word, which gives us the understanding, moves down and introduces us to the living word. It becomes different. We to live with the living word because the power is in the living word. The substance of God is in the living word. The ability and, and, and the fullness of the creative ability is in the living word. It's not in the, it's not in the written word. If we live in the written word, we'll end up as legalistic people. The letter kills. The spirit or the written word gives life. Okay? So what, what we're doing is this. Think of it this way. God uses the written word so that we can experience the living word. Let me, tell you, let me explain to you how that happens. God's analogy is always best. The written word is seed. It's seed. It's sitting in a bag called your Bible. It's seed. The thing about it is, the value of seed is not in the seed, but it's in the life that is within the seed. The value of the seed is not the seed itself, it's the life that's in the seed. You see, you can have an entire barn full of seed and have no crop. Because until you take the seed and you put it in the field and you plant it, life never germinates. 
There are too many Christians who are sitting with their bag of seed in their bedside table. The problem with it is, because we've never got into the bag of seed, we've never taken that, and we've never put it at a place where we began to sow the seed. So what, what ends up happening is, we've got nothing sitting that we're able to put into our heart. The only thing we get is the odd word that I hear now and then when I come to church or by way of conversation with somebody else. If you want to change your life, get into the seed. Plant the seed. The written word is the seed. So what God invites us to do is take the written word and begin to get into the written word. As you get into the seed, what you're doing is you're taking that and you are planting the seed. When you plant the seed, it comes to a place where we become dependent on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit takes the seed and he says, my responsibility is for you to realize the value inside the seed. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it and I'm going to make sure that it germinates and the life that's on the inside of it comes out. Why? Because when it begins to come out, all of a sudden, things start to happen in my life. I see things differently. What's just happened? I've just engaged in pathos. I've got the word of God and I've started reading the word of God and suddenly I was just reading all of this stuff and I was contemplating it and I was meditating on it and I was praying Praying goes beyond just asking God for something. This is for the beach people. Prayer is a time of intimacy between two lovers. That's what prayer is. When you get to that place of intimacy, it becomes so important because what ends up happening is the seed that I had and the seed that's been put out there, all of a sudden I create an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to take that. And when he takes that and he begins to open it up to me and it germinates in my heart, what ends up happening is I suddenly see something and I become persuaded of what I've just seen. It had nothing to do with me. It's not that I sat there and tried to get myself encouraged and revved up. I didn't try to get myself motivated because I I memorized the scripture or anything else. What ends up happening is I got to the place where I recognized he is the author and he is the finisher. And so what I need to do is take the seed that he's given me and I need to come into relationship with the author. And I need to sit and say to him, show me, reveal to me the life that's in the seed. Because when he opens up the seed, what ends up happening is pathos. Suddenly something germinated on the inside of me and it begins to grow. And when it begins to grow, it develops and forms into something new. It is a substance. It's not a feeling. It's not a motivation. It is a thing, a substance called pistis. Pistis is a declaration of a reality that is formed by things that are not attainable through the five senses. It's a declaration of a reality that is formed from things that are not attainable or discovered through the five senses. They are real They are real. They just haven't been experienced yet. They are real. They just haven't been experienced yet. Pistis is alive on the inside of me. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
We spoke last week about the word hearing in the original Greek. And it speaks about to have audience with. What he's saying is, pistis, the reality that God wants to establish on the inside of us, is a reality that comes about as a result of having audience with the Holy Spirit. Who takes the things that are intangible and the things that are not accessible to the five senses. Realities that have not yet been experienced but are waiting to be. And he forms a new reality out of them. It's called pistis. It's interesting because what it makes us understand is the importance of us defining the way that we relate to the word and how we interact with that on an ongoing basis. Part of what I want you to see in this discussion is our ability to understand and work with God but not do what his responsibility is. He doesn't need you to establish faith. He will do that. He doesn't need you to be persuaded. He will do that. What he needs us to do is he needs us to come to the place where we, number one, understand that we have the seed. Do something with it. Number two, we committed to the understanding and the realization that unless I have audience with the Holy Spirit, unless I'm at a place where I give him access to do something with the seed, all I'd have is head knowledge, but I don't have any heart reality. So I need to have that. When I have those two things, it introduces me to something called pisteo. Pisteo and pistis are very closely related. In fact, they have the same root word, pis. And what they really mean is this. Pisteo is the noun. Pistis is the noun. It's faith. Pisteo is the verb. It means to believe in or to trust. A better way of saying it may be this. Faith in action. Faith, pistis, is the noun. Pisteo is faith in action. It's the verb. When you have a look at that, it's not belief that something happened, but it's belief in something. And there's a big difference between the two. Let me give you an example. If you play football, your coach is on the sideline and he has the playbook. And the playbook has got all the strategies in it. It's got, all the, it's, it's got all the plays for the game. And you can have a look at the playbook and you can say, those are incredible. I believe in that. I believe in the strategy. I believe in those plays. Sorry, I believe that those plays are right. I believe that the strategy is right. What you're saying is that when you believe that, what you're saying is I can look at it objectively and I think it's a good idea. When you believe in something is when you commit yourself to the field. When you believe in it is to sit and say, I I get it and I see what you're trying to accomplish and it makes so much sense to me and I'm so persuaded by it. It's so established on the inside of me that I'm prepared to commit myself to it. Let's go, guys. Everybody on the field, we're about to win the game. There's a difference between believe that and believe in. The Bible speaks about even the demons believe that Jesus is Christ. That doesn't get us there. We have too many Christians believe that God can heal. That God is good. That God wants what's best for them. That God will deliver, for them, deliver them. 
Believing that is not what pisteo is all about. It's believing in something. It says, I'm so convinced and I'm so persuaded by that, that you know what? Where do I go? Show me where I sign on the line, Father. I'm in with this. In Matthew um, chapter 19, verse 26, it says, with God, all things are possible. In Mark 9, verse 23, it says, all things are possible to him who believes. The one speaks about the fact that the living word, in the living word, all things are possible. The living word has the potential to do anything. In Mark, it says, the potential to do anything is available to those who believe. So when it's talking about those who believe, it's talking about those who have pisteo. What it's saying is, if you're a person that has taken the seed of the word and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to establish a new reality on the inside of you, hypostasis, something that undergirds a reality that undergirds a new reality on the inside of me. And you allow that to inform your confidence and you begin to live from that place. What will end up happening is you'll move to a place where the things that are possible with God become possible with you. It's not to say that you God, because remember, you have nothing to do with it. It's all about him in me. I am the one that another fills. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not so that I can sit there and show how great I am. It's not humanistic in nature. It has everything to do with him and very little to do with me apart from the fact that I'm a vessel. It's not my initiation. It's not my activation. It's not my fulfillment. And it's not my completion. It's all his. I'm just one that another fills. I haven't got time to get into it now. But I think um, when you start talking about things like that, we begin to realize when you have a look at the parable of the sower sows the word and you start to have a look at why the heart of the soil becomes so important and becomes so consequential because he's not just talking about people who are going to be nice and who people who aren't going to be nice. What he's talking about is something much deeper and so much more consequential than that. He's talking about the establishment of a new reality in your life. And what he's saying is, I'm trying to do something in people's lives. The problem with it is there's some people who don't care about... Yeah, anyway, the point of the parable is, the point of the parable is it's all about pistis. The point of the parable and what he's trying to do is he's trying to, to, to inform us of the fact that there is so much power and so much life. There is so much spirit in the living word. And that what, what he's trying to do is get us to a place where we recognize the value of the word and we prepare the soil inside of our heart so that when the word arrives, all of a sudden it finds it well taken care of and prepped and nourished and full of fertilizer and everything that it needs. So what ends up happening is I grow quickly. I also want to speak about how we hear the voice of God. How do we hear the word of God? In quite a practical way. God is talking all the time. If I'm not hearing him, the challenge is not with him, the challenge is with me. And it's not a bad thing. 
it, 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 it's, a, it's a tricky thing because the fact of the matter is we schooled in certain ways because we're natural people. But it's coming to a place of maturity where we recognize the fact that when God is going to speak to me, he's going to speak in ways that may be uncom- or unusual to who I am as a natural human being. But it doesn't mean that they're wrong. And so what I need to do is when I understand how he's communicating with me, what I'm doing is I'm developing those senses so that as I begin to pick up stuff like that, initially I'll be a little bit confused because I'm like, is that me? Is it God? Is it Where did that come from? But I'm developing discernment over time where I'm recognizing, no, that was from me. That came from somewhere else. So in the next couple of weeks, I want to speak about that as well. But that's all for another day. Father, I want to thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you, I thank you for your love. Man, everything you do for us is burst out of love. You just love us so very, very much. Thank you that your word presents an opportunity for us to encounter and to experience you. Because it's not just a written word that lives in our head. But your design and your intention, Father, is that as we have audience with you, the life and spirit is in that word begins to affect and inform who I am. It establishes a new way of living and a new reality inside of me. Something that's not gained through my natural senses, but something that I'm only able to get through your Holy Spirit. I thank you that if we live from that reality, we become a reflection of the greater one. We begin to take the foundation of who we are and we evidence it to the world. I thank you for changing us. I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will become an intimate coach with us so that we learn and we understand how to work with you in what it is that you're doing so that we're able to facilitate the process rather than hamper it. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen.